Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I am Bryant Taylor Marshall, your host, with a guest named Cammie, who's permanent. Hey. Hey. How's it going? Pretty well. So, um, I am your co-host. But correct. Yeah. Sure. Um, so anyway, <laughs> we have a nice episode today about myths and history. We're going back to the ancients, to the Bronze Age a little bit. Some, back again. Yep. Western civilization, stones and stuff. Um, we're talking about, so this is a, it's not quite one topic. It's, it's, uh, the Oracle. Well, we're talking about Delphi, the ancient Greek site and the famous Oracle of Delphi. Delphi. I think, it's, I think it'd be Delphi. Really? Yeah. I always have said Delphi. I don't know. I'm, uh, the I is usually pronounced with an E sound. Oh, okay. With those languages. So. Even at the end of a mm-hmm. word? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it'd be Delphi. If you're Greek, ancient Greek listening, please let us know. Full disclosure, I <laughs> took classics in college mm. and studied classics and minored in it. It was my major for a while. And I never took a Greek class. Like, oh, wow. never. I took no, all Latin. You don't need to. It's, no. They got all the good stuff out of the Greeks. So right. That's just a joke. Um, <laughs> no, I'll have some really cool stuff about how important it is to look at the Greeks uh, later. But um, I mean, I studied the Greeks. I just never studied the Greek like, language. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so yeah, we're talking about the Oracle of at slash Delphi, Delphi, and uh, the Sphinx. Um, as well. Specifically, now I, do you have a specific name for the Sphinx? Or? I don't have a name for the Sphinx, I don't believe. It, it's so just the Sphinx, right? Right, yeah. So I, but I have, and that's, in, in Greek, there is, there is the Sphinx. Kind of like the, you know, there, there aren't Medusas, there's Medusa. And there, sure. there aren't Sphinxes, Sphinx I, there's the Sphinx, the, the, the riddling creature. Um, but there is a, uh, at the temple of Apollo in Delphi, there is a, um, uh, by, uh, Noxos is a, um, a famous Sphinx statue. So I'll talk a little bit about Sphinxes in general, Okay. but I know that you've got a, a particular Sphinx. That's a bastard that you're talking about, right? Yes. Very, very bad creature. Just Although not the worst thing in the story. <laughs> So I think fate is more yeah um, a, the devil in this one, right? So perhaps the most um, or the myth that speaks about the Oracle of Delphi the most would be Oedipus Rex or, or Oedipus, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Oedipus the King. Although many myths do include the Oracle as a way for humans to be guided by the divine, so you run into that in, in other stories too, like in Cupid and Psyche, uh, Psyche's father. Whoa, let's save that for the uh, podcast, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, just consults with the Sphinx about something. I won't go into details. Stay tuned to find out. So, <laughs> yeah. In Thebes, there was a king and a queen called Laius and Jocasta. And they had no children. But after many years, they did have a boy. And so they're very excited. And Laius decides to take the boy to the Oracle of Delphi just to see what kind of king he's going to be. He's so excited, like this beautiful boy, you know, it's his, it's his only child and, and they've tried so hard for so many years. And so he, he presents the baby boy to the Oracle and the, the Oracle says, this kid's going to 
kill his father and marry his mother. And so Laius was obviously very distraught. Wait a minute. This is (laughs) the fortune cookie I wanted. (laughs) uh, He goes back to Jocasta and tells her what's going to happen. And they both decide they have to get rid of the child. They have to kill him. And so... They didn't want to do it themselves, of course, as they're the king queen. So they get one of their servants to take the boy out and just kill him, but like kind of far away from thieves. So the servant goes on this journey and he starts to lose heart like on the way to do this because he, just the weight of it is, you know, I mean, weighing on him. Mm-hmm. So he ends up piercing... Oedipus's ankles and like driving a rod through them and then hanging him on a tree. What a, what a just a. Great and they have way. not named him Oedipus at this point. Okay. I, I just want to like so they didn't name the boy. It was just like the boy or something. Right, yeah. Um. But a shepherd, who, I guess he's like looking for his sheep or whatever, and he hears the boy crying, and wailing. He. The, so he takes him down and he takes the rod out and he brings him to Corneth and he's like nursing him back to health and stuff like that. So as luck would have it, the king and queen of Corneth were also childless. And Cor- it was Corinth. <clears throat> is it Corinth? I think so. You know what? I think it is Corinth. Yeah. It's like right above Delphi. Yeah. Yeah. So Polybus was the king and Mary. Merope was the queen and they took one look at this beautiful boy and they were like he's ours and take that rod out of those ankles <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they took him and raised him as their own and so Oedipus's name is Oedipus and it means swollen foot oh yeah because his feet Ped. were yeah ped yep uh his sweet feet were swollen from the rod and they're honestly so, my sources, I'll just go over them now. Classic Myths to Read Aloud by William F. Russell, mm-hmm. Oedipus Rex by Sophocles, and Britannica.com had a good story on Oedipus. But some sources say that that's maybe not the origin of his name. Okay. I, I don't know what the origin would be, because that, <laughs> that is what it means, but whatever. So, he grew handsome and strong, and... No one knew he wasn't the rightful king. I mean, everyone just thought he was the king and queen's son. So first he worked to become sort of the best fighter because he wanted to be able to defend his throne when he became king. Then after a conference with his mother, who said, yes, you can fight really well, but can you lead? So he decides to be a good statesman. And he starts going into the town and talking with people in the market because he'd get people, you know, they'd get people from Egypt and they would get people from, you know, other areas. Yeah, it's a coastal city, so, yeah. In that, yeah, in the marketplace. And and he would talk with them and he just became a really good statesman because of that. So in his talks with the people in town, he finds out, but he, but he doesn't believe it, that he's not the actual son of Jocasta or he's not the actual son of Merope and Polybus and so he goes to his mother and he's like is this true like he doesn't want to believe it and the mother like instead of being like oh no that's not true she just gives him a cryptic answer 
that the gods gave you to us to answer our prayers. And so Oedipus is like, this won't do. I gotta <laughs> go see the oracle. So he goes to the oracle of, of Delphi. And the oracle says to him, it does not answer the question of whether or not he's the right lineage. Mm-hmm. But he says, or she says, you will kill your father and marry your mother. So Oedipus gets really upset about this because he loves his parents. Mm. And he decides to run away. He's like, the only answer here is for me to not you know, run away. Well, little does he know he's running to his fate. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> he meets a chariot at the place where three roads meet. And this was from the, the classic mystery to loud. I thought this was really interesting. So in Latin, it's triwia, which is T-R-I-V-I-A, which is trivia. Right. And so... Uh, William F. Russell kind of talks about, and I, I didn't look this, I didn't put another source to this, so I'm not sure how true it is. Sure. But um, I, I believe the word is trivialis in Latin, which means speaking of trivial matters. Mm-hmm. So you're meeting at these crossroads, you've just come from market or whatever, and you're going home and you're about to split off. And so you're just that little bit of conversation before you leave. Yeah. You know, the trivial things you talk about. So yeah. I, I thought yeah. it was really interesting. So anyway, there's a the chariot. Um, and the chariot driver wants, this, wants Oedipus to get out of the way. So he ends up pulling out a whip and whipping him. And Oedipus is very strong. I mean, he's all he's done his whole life before he decided to be a statesman was you know, wrestle and, and all these like very masculine Greek things. So he grabs the whip and he beats the man to death with it. And then the old man that's, that they're carrying in the chariot gets out and he tries to help, but Oedipus ends up knocking him back and he hits his rock or his head on a rock and he ends up dying from his head wounds. And then there's a third guy as well. Um, that's sort of like a page and he ends up running away. so Oedipus reaches Thebes and he learns that the king is dead and worse yet there's a terrible creature blocking the city gates and this is the sphinx that we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier the king had been killed on his way to meet the oracle of Delphi to see what could be done about the sphinx so nobody knows what to do about it and but the city's decided that whoever kills it will get to marry the queen Jocasta so Oedipus is totally down. He's like, yeah, I want to be king. I've, I was going to be king until I found out I was going to kill my dad and marry right. my mom. So, so Oedipus goes to the Sphinx and he's like, you know, praying to what, what God would that be? Like maybe Apollo or yeah, something. That's what all that was for the Oracle. <clears throat> yeah. Delphi. That was for Apollo. And so he, he walks up and it, I mean, it's blocking the city gates, so I don't know if there was another way in and out because somehow it got into the city. I don't know. But Who let the Sphinx in, <laughs> damn it? Close the doggy door. But the riddle goes like this. What walks on four feet in the morning, two feet in midday, and three feet in the evening? And so Oedipus, he's talked to all these people from all these different places, and he's like, I know I can solve this. So he answers man. 
and the sphinx very dramatically <laughs> squawks right <laughs> and then throws herself or himself down uh, to the rocks below and, and gets thrashed on the rocks and killing right <laughs> no it's like killing itself why'd i do that <laughs> And so Oedipus, or Oedipus ends up meeting, uh, marrying Jocasta, and they all live happily ever after. Nope. Yeah. That's not uh, what happens. That's not the Oedipus <laughs> complex. It's not about happiness. <laughs> so that's his mom. Right. And a plague breaks out. And for like the fourth time in the story, someone goes to see the Oracle of Apollo. Yep. So the Oracle says that the murder of Laius hasn't been found. So no one is safe until he's brought to justice. And Oedipus asks Tresius, who's the blind prophet, and he didn't want to tell Oedipus because he, I mean, he was probably a little bit scared of him, but he ended up caving and told Oedipus he was the killer. So Oedipus brought in the witness from the night Laius was killed and he confirmed the place was the one where Oedipus had killed the old man. So now it's all coming together for him. Then they asked him if, um, basically they figured out that this guy that was in the chariot with the king that got away was the same one that went to kill the baby and Oedipus is kind of figuring out this is, oh wait, this sounds familiar. Right. And he confessed that he didn't kill the baby, that he left him with a rod in his, in his feet, or in his ankles. And then the shepherd, they interviewed the shepherd who found him, and he came forward. And so Jocasta is just devastated with the news that this is her son. And she locks herself in a room and ends up killing herself. And so Oedipus not being able to save his mother, he plucked out his own eyes with a brooch. And he became a blind beggar, but his daughter, Antigone, um, stood by him, which mm. causes issues later in the Antigone tragedy. Right. So, that's my story on the yeah, streets Delphi. Yeah, That's fun. Um, yeah, I... I, di I, I didn't do a lot on, on specifically Oedipus. I don't... I, I, like, I didn't... I didn't want to focus that, um, but sure. one thing I did find out because Sophocles wrote Oedipus, but apparently it was like an old story before then. Right. Um, I didn't realize that. that it, it was, was well known. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I didn't realize that. I thought he was just one day woke up and was like, "Yo, dude wants to make his mom <laughs> blind himself." But um, right. So Oedipus, um, that, that the, the the play, old story written anew or kind of. Sophocles is like, oh, I'll, I'll get the royalties on this check. But, um, so Delphi is a, it's a place, um, kind of, uh, it, it's extremely important to Greek culture. Um, it was first settled in Mycenaean times in the Bronze Age, you know, so we're talking like as early, or late as 1500 BCE. Um, and in 800 BCE, it started to really take religious meaning. And that meaning came from, uh, it, it it, for Greek, the Greeks, it was considered the center of the world. You know, if you look at those old maps, it, it would have kind of been like in the middle. And uh, part of that was because uh, in Greek mythology, Zeus, um, for whatever reason, when he wasn't banging somebody, released two eagles, one to the east, one to the west, and Delphi was, or Delphi was the point that they met 
once they circled the world. Um, so yeah, they that's where a lot of that religious importance came from. Um, that's really interesting. They were using like almost augury, right? In 1500 BCE, or that was attributed to it later. Right, yeah, 800 BCE was where it really started, so coming into like the Hellenistic period and things like that. Um, I thought it was really cool too. Odin, um, in the Norse mythology, he has two ravens, Hugin and Mugen, that are, are his eyes and ears of the world that allow him to see and hear everything, basically. So I thought oh, it was wow. cool. Two yeah. eagles, two Odin, yeah, or two ravens. Um, so, in, uh, so yeah, for a few hundred years, Delphi was the place where the oracle Pythia was like the one that I kind of saw was a famous one. Um, there, there's a lot to the ceremony. I mean, it was very ceremonial. But in 480 BCE, the Persians attacked. Um, and in 279, the Gauls attacked. So, damn. Um, but the <laughs> Romans, um, in 191 BCE, the Romans took over. But then in 393 uh, Common Era, um, Theodosius uh, decided to shut down the pagan crap because we're done with it that's what he said so that was a quote <laughs> um but then uh, and what's cool the the rediscovery of it and the excavations didn't really start until like the wait 18th was, was he an emperor or pope he was a i he th- so this was and i know they they kind of became the same thing after a while but... he wasn't the pope i believe this would have been theodosius was we're trying to get into my byzantine sure. friends so he probably was a uh, he he wouldn't have been pope, but he would have been. Um, was he emperor? Yeah, yeah, he was. Oh, okay, the, okay. Yeah, the emperor of the Eastern Roman Empire. So um, I don't know how because that you know that when did Greek when did Rome fall? Am I putting you on the spot? Am I putting us on the spot? I don't know. Are we gonna cut this? That's fine. I'll I'll work around <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, that, it would have been it would have been really important to did them they ever to really not have fall. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it wasn't until the 18 like 60s when french archaeologists started really getting back into it um and one of the cool things they found was um a awesome sphinx on a big pillar so that's that's delphi in a nutshell it's important it was a a greek epicenter of uh, a lot um (laughs) one funny story i found um was oh where is it there so there was a story of oh shit i'm not it's okay. I, I do have um, oh here a question about the yeah. Sphinx. Go for it. So they have a so they found a statue of a Sphinx at Delphi. Like some archaeologists <laughs> found it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah the the Temple of Apollo in Delphi in 1860, um, and it looks like it was originally set up in 560 BC. Um, in the temp- uh, as an offering of the, of the Temple of Apollo by Naxos, one of the richest islands at the time. This is all from ancient EU and oh, Wikipedia. Okay. Um, yeah, the Sphinx of Naxos is what it, this Sphinx is called, I believe. Um, but there are tons of Sphinxes um, sure. around Greece. Um, they were really important, um, especially for tombs and things like that. It looked like um, it looks like that's Did kind of weird. Did they all have riddles, or was it just this one? That was the Greek Sphinx. Okay. The the one the the creature it was known for that okay. um but it's funny and you know i i always thought of you think of sphinx you think uh giza no not giza that's the pyramids um you think of egyptian sphinxes you know yeah yeah, yeah. um not it's but it's, it's so prominent in in greece it, it seems like it was all over the mediterranean right yeah point. um well 
it's it, it's great too. It's not just over the Mediterranean. Um, it actually, so I don't know if you remember when we did, I think it was the Hercules mm-hmm. episode. I told you about, um, I think it was called Greco-Indo culture. Yeah. So this comes back here um, in okay. a big way, thanks to our boy Alex the Great. Um, there is a huge uh, influence, Sphinx influence in um, a ton of, uh, in, in India, Southeast Asia, Burma, Myanmar, um, Thailand, it, it, across like Hindu and Buddhist culture and, and in Hindu and Buddhist art, um, you can find, uh, especially like the, the so there's like the iconic image of a, pil- of a pillar with a sphinx on top and you see similar things. Oh yeah, um, I've seen that. Yep. Right. And that's <laughs> actually seen in uh, the, the, the pillars of Ahsoka in third century BC India um, following contact with. Alexander the Great. So, um, and there are these two. I, I so yeah, I've talked about the Indo-Greco culture. There is the, there's an Indo-Greek culture, and there's also a Greco-Bactrian culture that spawned after Alexander the Great as well. And um, the Bactrians are a um, Iranian people, an ancient Iranian people, similar to, like the Scythians, okay. um, and things like that. And these these are also cultures that really melded in with Greek influence and. Um, I, like they, you know, had every capital was named after Alex, but um, yes, there there, there was Sphinx iconography. Like I talked about, how you can see Herculean um, imagery in mm-hmm. um, like uh, Hindu uh, carvings and things like that. You can find this the Sphinxes in there too. It's really prominent there. Um, so, uh, and and one cool thing is too that um, because we've lost a lot of Greek. Uh, antiquity like the physical um representations of a lot of things um because they just weren't well preserved they were well preserved in southeast asian cultures and asian south asian cultures so we actually kind of see more of the sphinx in those cultures than we do in any others um what was that thing you were saying earlier oh the story yeah yeah so um (laughs) there was a a guy uh yeah I, i i found it perhaps the most famous consultant of the Delphic Oracle was Croesus. This is from ancient EU. I'm, I'm okay. kind of speaking verbatim. Um, there was a, a rich king of Lydia um, who was faced with war against the Persians, um, came and asked the Oracle's advice. The Oracle stated that if Croesus went to war, then a great empire would surely fall. And so the Lydian king was like, yeah, I'll take on Cyrus. You know, we're, yeah. Yeah, Cyrus, the Cyrus. Um, however, the Lydians were routed at Sardis, and it was the Lydian empire that fell a lesson that the oracle could easily be, mis- be misinterpreted like an Oedipus um, by the unwise or overconfident. And th- they say unwise or overconfident, but I just imagine that the king of Lydia, like he's at the, he's at Sardis. They, the, the routing has started. They're yeah. losing, they're losing ground. His, his, his royal guard are around him and he's like, man, we're lo- Oh, thank you, Oracle. I'm a great empire. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. You know, like, he's just yeah. like, oh, my gosh, thank you. I didn't realize it was a great empire. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was just a funny, like, one that was recorded. Um, you know what that reminds me of? The, and I don't know that the Oracle at Delphi said this or was like this. Yeah. But both of them remind me of how we think of when a genie grants a wish. Right. It's, it's the, never what you want it to or be. Or literally every episode of That's So Raven. I mean, like, it's just, <laughs> that's what this was based off of. It's, right. You see the premonition of, like, a glimpse, and it's usually the self-fulfilling prophecy, or right. the, you take it to, you know, yeah, it's, it's, in some ways, it's like, Oedipus is great, because it, 
it was so old and it has a great story to it and it's it's really interesting um some of it is a little silly like sure. i mean i just you can't imagine like the, the when she said like a great empire will fall and he the king of lettuce were like I'll give you like a hundred more of whatever currency I'm giving you right. if you can just like be a little more specific. <laughs> stop huffing the ground, man. Right. Like, <laughs> please just be serious with me. Um, well, why not? So, two other little things too. Um, in the 15th century, um, there was a revival um, of sphinxes. Uh, it's I think it's called the French Sphinx is what it's kind of called, okay. but um, probably it, I think it stemmed from like Renaissance culture, okay. uh, which in Lars Brownworth's book. Uh, what is it? Oh my God! The fall of Western civilization? No, damn it! Um, Lost to the West. That's what it is by Lars Brownworth. He he ta- he basically talks about Byzantine culture from the break of the Roman Empire a little bit before that to the end when uh, Mehmed the Conqueror took Constantinople, and he he doesn't. I mean, there's no proof behind this, but he he kind of has this idea, this romantic idea that everyone who fled Byzantium and Constantinople they would have gone east back to to rome back to europe they okay. would have fled that way away from the from from turkey and the anatolian West. plateau yeah they would have fled back to europe bringing also because constantinople the richest it was the capital of the world right um they would have brought back all this this art and culture and in 1453 if you kind of coincide things the the renaissance art and period the world the art is about to flourish and so maybe when Byzantium fell, they came back, and then this this the people would have brought back pots and crap with sphinxes on them, and they would have been like, "I'll I'll sculpt that," and then yeah. boom, you got 15th century sphinxes. So that's a oh, cool okay. little connection. Yeah, no, that's yeah, the, yeah, there's just that carryover. But anyway, in the 15th century, there was a flourish, a, a, a revival of like, "Hey, let's make sphinxes again." Um, and like in Spain, there's a really famous one, and a few other places that were made in the 15th century. So um, yeah, it's it's a cool. Uh, I didn't. It, it's super Greek. But it, it really rained through for a very long time um, and came back. Uh, and the and Delphi, the Oracle, um, she was weird. Uh, <laughs> the, the the Sphinx of Naxos, that's the final thing I almost forgot. Also, it has an engraving on it. Um, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it's basically, um, apparently you had to have, so everyone wanted to see the Oracle, obviously. And you, there was like a certain priority and the Sphinx had an inscription on it that basically talks about its priority okay so like i guess i don't know it, it was interesting but yeah i don't I, that's whenever i hear in a story then we went to go see the oracle i just i mean like <laughs> we had reservations yeah, yeah i know yeah but how can you just there's no walk-ins like you don't take it like you take a number and you wait and back then you're waiting like yeah. eight months and by that point you're dead that's half your life so um <laughs> yeah but anyway uh so that's a little that's a lot of uh Western culture there for you. Yeah, I had no idea that the Sphinx was so widespread. I knew that, like in Egypt, because <clears throat> right. we there's and like, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. The the yeah the, the huge sculpture. Right. Is it a sculpture? I mean, a monument? I guess. Yeah. It, yeah. It's a stone carved <clears throat> monument, and it comes it surely was inspired from the interaction. The um, who ran the who took over? What Greek family took over in Egypt. The Ptolemies? Yes, thank you. So pro- I don't, I, maybe I should have Googled that before I got here when, <laughs> when that Sphinx was made. But I'm sure that there was a connection there. That I think that Sphinx was before that. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure. That, that'd be, that's or it might have been when they came over, but it was before like Cleopatra and all that. Sure. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, well, Alexander the Great, um, that would surely have 
inspired it um, when he took over Egypt and that whole entire plateau. Um, and it, it is really cool. I, I, I really liked seeing that Greco Indo thing in it. And there's the Greco Bactrian now. There's, there's even, there, it goes way on. And, and you can see those in that. And just the melding of the languages and things like that. Um, it's really wild, the cultures. It's a really cool way to go. So, yeah, that's a little, yeah, a little Sphinx 101 for you. Yeah, 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 it's pretty wild. Um, Well, uh, wow, we're almost at the 30 mark. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, We didn't even have Peter here today. (laughs) I know, I know, yeah. Um, Well, everyone thanks, of course. We ended the last episode abruptly, but (laughs) we'll do it a little properly this time. Uh, Let us know what you think. Mystery with an IE at gmail.com is a great way to get in touch with us, or you can hit Cammy or me on Facebook or on our group. Um, let us know if you have any myths that you'd like to hear and we'll see you next time oh it's not a sphinx